Thank you, Sophia. God's good. What will he do here in your life today? What will, what will the Lord do today? What will the Lord do today for those who participate? And, and have and take their seats among the daughters and the sons of God. Will, will you participate? Will you be a part of God's end time harvest? Will you be a part of what the, the Spirit is doing in these end days? Or will you be a spectator? I dare, I dare ask and I dare challenge all to not just sit there but, and just to say they're sitting there on the sidelines saying, I wish I was, a, I was participating. Yeah. It's not enough to wish. We should participate. You and I are not called to be spectators. You and I are called to be participators. Well, I came to church is not a, is, is a spectator. There's a difference between a spectator and a, and a disciple. Well, Pastor Marcus, that's kind of, that's being, I asked Jesus in my heart. Well, yeah, you may have asked Jesus in your heart. Yeah, you're going to heaven does not necessarily mean that you're a disciple. Not all are disciples. There's a difference, very stark and, and drastic difference between those who are have made a choice to be a disciple and those who are just who are just coming to church. And, and it's all it's always visibly seen. It's always visibly seen. How many of you caught any of the meetings uh, this week? Uh, and I po- and I reposted them on the church uh, on our church uh, Facebook on our church Facebook. Um, the three that I did highlight. We're, we're not just there to be amused or just to say, look, oh, we, we approve. Yeah. Those were specific messages that I chose because I really felt that they spoke to this church specifically. Good. Good. Or hear what I said? Yeah. They were there not to say, oh, well, that's kind of cool. He put it on there and he must have just really liked it and just wanted to share it. No, it was so that we as a local body could participate, re- revisit these things. Yeah. And part of your success is your ability to revisit. And as we were at these meetings, it, it, it occurred to me, because like, like we were saying, when we were, um, it was nice to be at those meetings, because in a lot of ways we find out, oh, we're on track on some things. As a church, we are on track on some things. And then there are some areas where I'm like, you know what, with just a little modification here. And then it, it occurred to me during the course of the meeting uh, that this isn't just a meeting just to hear for the week. This is something that this church needs to major on. Yeah. These are if if the uh, if the emphasis this year for the local is the local church, then the emphasis for you and I this year is the local church. I I believe God wants to use us individually in this church in a significant way this year, but it won't happen unless you participate. I believe God's going to take some individuals. He's going to promote them in some way, whether it be here in our local church, whether it be in the in the workplace. God is going to put uh, finances in your hands. Some of you, some of you have 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 walked. I've seen the hand of God over your lives. I've seen God do great and mighty things, not only mentally, physically, spiritually. I've also seen God do. You know how the scripture says in John three, He says, "Beloved," verse two, he says, "Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things, be in health." Now. People think, well, being health just means spiritually. No, it just it's it's, it's inclusive to that. It's not it's not just physical. It's not just spiritually, but it's also in your natural health. Just as your souls prosper, so on the inside of you, 
That needs to prosper. Your health needs to prosper. Your, your intellect, your mind, your will, your emotions, that needs to prosper as well. He wants you to prosper. The scriptures, the word of the Lord for you is God wants you to prosper this. He wants you to prosper. So open our Bibles to John 8. So in, in our tracking along and, and following with the Spirit, if, if we are going to uh, prosper on the inside as well as the outside, there are things that we're going to have to do. Now, I got introduced to a, a fellow here recently, and I just really felt like, wow, it just really helped me. But this guy, he's, he's a Christian. He's a pastor of a church of another denomination. Great man, just a great man. And, uh, do you know, you can learn from things from other folks sometimes. Now, I stick with my flow. I don't, it's predominantly who I learn from. But, um, but this has something completely different. And this guy is, he's very fortunate, very fiscally wealthy. He's a millionaire. He lives in one of the best neighborhoods in the state. And, and I see how, how he does things. And one thing he said is, is that people try to buy into programs. They buy the program, but they don't want to do the work. They just they act like if it's some sort of pixie dust. And just by, 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 just by getting, buying the program, like, do you know that Pastor Marcus owns P90X? Who's P90X? It's a fitness program. It's all on video. <laughs> I bought the program. Like, I need this video because it's going to help me. I bought it thinking, oh, I'm going to be like that dude. I don't want to tell you how long I've owned this system, but if how many of you know, if you remember where, what, what P90X was, Pastor, that was a long time ago. Just because you own something, just because you bought into something doesn't mean it's part of your life. See, it's not, and I don't like one thing he says, a lot of people, they buy the program saying it's going to be pixie dust. No, it requires work. It requires diligence. It requires your participation. And unfortunately, oftentimes we come to church and we think just because we come to church, just that participation alone is enough to push us over to the top. And it's not. It is not enough just to think that just coming to church, you'll get the pixie dust. And you and I, if we're going to be successful, how many of you know we're going to have to learn to start becoming more disciplined? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pastor Marcus, now you're getting my Kool-Aid. You said the D word in church. No, the, the word discipline is not a swear word. Yeah. It's not a curse word. It's a good word. Yes, and all those who are disciples have discipline. I'm going to say that to this side. All those who are disciples have discipline and recognize the importance of having discipline. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's challenged me to rethink about how I've been thinking. And every time you and I are going to be, ch- that are challenged to rethink the way you think, we shouldn't always be the first to uh, distrust. Oh, I don't know if I trust that message, Pastor. You know, we, we fight it with our minds like, well, I don't, I don't know if I trust this because I don't want people to take advantage of me. Calling you to be a higher level of discipline so that you can walk into the fullness of God does not mean that anybody's trying to take advantage of you. You know, there is so much money out there. There's tons of money out there. I want to tell you right now, there, you live in the most wealthiest, one of the most wealthiest parts of the world. And for you to have the idea that there's not enough money, not enough finances out there is little thinking. You live next to millionaires and billionaires. And they don't care if there's another millionaire living next door to them. 
It's the poor person that just this is what that tries to push another person down, thinking that there's not enough. Because they think there's scarcity, and there isn't scarcity. There's abundance. You live in a land of abundance, but you cannot participate in abundance if you have a scarcity mentality. A scarcity mentality will never allow you to march forward. If, if you're not a giver, if you're always tight-fisted, that means that approach will, will bleed into every area of your life. It, it, it'll just affect the way you operate. One of the things that if you ever talk to people who lived through the Great Depression, they, they began to live like for the rest of their lives. They had this mentality that scarred them so deeply that they live with a scarcity mentality. They would say butter dishes, butter balls, they would everything because you just never know when you were going to lose everything. Always worried about tomorrow. And here's the thing, that's, that's the lack way of thinking. God wants you to prosper, but more importantly, he wants your inside to prosper so that your outside may prosper. Yes. The ability to grow on the inside will indicate your ability to grow further out. If you think small, you'll live small. You'll be very lean in what you possess, what you own, and what you're able to accomplish. Very few ever fully walk into the plan of God because there's a certain level of distrust. Well, typically, the reason why that is is because most people are not very honest with themselves. And so they're because they're dishonest with themselves or maybe they've seen some things. But as you see, when you live in an area where there's a lot of distrust, then it breeds, who can I trust? But if you're trustworthy, he who's trustworthy trusts everybody. You know, he gives people the benefit of the doubt. And if that person, then you reckon, well, we can't do business because you're, 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 the way you're, you practice your business, I can't do business with that. It doesn't mean I dislike you in any way. It just means I, you have an ethics issue. So I can't do business with you. So you should always be, how can I add value to not only to my life, but how can I add value to other people's lives? Especially, particularly those who are in sales. How can I add value? Particularly those who are Christians, how can I add value to the neighbors next to me? I mean, it's not just a, it's not just a sales thing. It's just a, it's how can I add value to, even to my position, to where I become very expensive if they get rid of me tomorrow. Because I add value to, to, to what I am doing. As a Christian to my local church, I add value to my church. I add value because I'm able to do things in this church, at this church, that, that, that really bring a blessing to not only them, but I also see the blessing happening on my life. It's changing the way you think. And over here in uh, John chapter 8, how many of you got to John chapter 8 yet? Verse 30, 31. Jesus is speaking here, and this is why it's so important to understand the value that you add, because that, the value that you understand that you do have, the, and, and what you do have is creativity, God's given you creativity. He's given you the ability to get wealth. He's given you the ability for insight. He's, he's, those, aren't, those aren't just yours. There's a lot of people who, who have a lot. How many know that I have every, this, all the same muscles as, as the folks on the P90X video? All the same muscles. Now, you may not be able to see them, but they're there. Right? Gonzalo's, oh, yeah, I can't see him. But here's the thing. There are things in your life that are, are, that are there because you're born again. You're spirit-filled. 
God has given you a certain amount of abilities and skills and talents. Remember, there was t- everyone was given talents, and some grew their talents and some didn't grow their talents. Yeah. I, I know a pastor who said he's the only ability he's ever had, truly had, is a church to have is he had the ability to teach. Now I say I think he had more talent than that. He said teach. He said teach because he was a teacher. Um, and then he had ended up having a small church of six thousand. He said, I only, but you see, he, he focused on that one strength. Yeah. He didn't focus on all the different strengths he had. He focused on his, his area where he said, if I could be the best that I am in this specific yeah. area, yeah. Yeah. That's good. if I could be really good at what this one little area and just exhaust it and work it and work it, yeah. God will prosper me. Yeah. God has given you, each and every one of you, a talent. Right. It's your job. Yeah. To get, that, to get that little niche, that micro niche, that little thing that will help you succeed. But you won't be succeed if you're not honest with yourself. Well, I want to be this. I want to be like that person. No, God called you to be you. To be you. You, can't, you cannot be a jack of all trades. People who are a jack of all trades will never be successful. You have to be the best that God called you to be. Amen. And here we see over here in John chapter 8, verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. See, there was Jews that believed him. Jews. These folks believed him. They followed him and they understood him. And, and they said, this is, this is the guy. All right. Now he's saying to them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. This is the difference between somebody who is not a disciple and those who are disciples. It's your ability to abide. Abide in what, Pastor? Abide in his word. Abide in his truth. Abide in that which is preached and taught from this pulpit. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. That each and every one of you, at some specific point, because, like you've heard me say, Pastor can miss it. I can miss it. But if you're such a good disciple, a good student, even if I misspeak, you know that according to that word, that this is really what, and, and, and I have misspoke, but you as a student, I have got to trust within myself that I have trained you and I have developed you, that the Holy Spirit is resident in you, that all the tools that we've given you, you're not ready quick to accuse, and you have enough to enough words to go, oh yes, this and this, oh that makes sense now. It's because you're a good enough student, and you're not going to believe the wrong things right away and walk around with wrong ways and wrong concepts because you're a good enough student to identify which is right and which is wrong. Yeah. This, this was good, and I, yeah, this was under the anointing. Let me say, I like what, what uh, Dr. Anders says. Your pastor is always anointed, even when he leaves his pulpit. Now, there's a natural side to me. If I don't eat enough, if I, if I don't get enough exercise, I'm a different bear. <laughs> I'm a different bear. Sometimes I feel like a bear who's just come out of the winter and just out of spring and like, it's time to eat. Um, so it's your time to, to receive the word. Every time you come, you, you come, it's, it's your time to, every time you come, it's my time, it's time for me to, to, to forge. It's time for me to get in the word, to, to learn what I need to learn so that out there I can be successful. And that truth has got to abide in you. You cannot, you, you, if you're not doing the truth that are preached from this pulpit, you are not being true to yourself and you are not abiding as you would have thought. Well, I went to church. It's not an, is a twisted truth. It's a limited truth. Twisted. Because you're saying, I went to church is enough 
to qualify me to live how I want to live. That's not truth. He says abide. Abide means to continue. Yes. Abiding is in, is in the continuing. Yes. It's not that what I did on Sunday and Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Pastor Melina, I abide with you on Sundays and Wednesdays. But the rest of the week, you know, I got my girlfriend on the side would not suffice as an answer good enough to the church, nor would my wife. In fact, you read on the new paper, pastor is dead. <laughs> pastor, you use that as example a lot. Is there a reason why you're telling this? Yes. Because in your life, if you are not faithful to the plan of God, it will cause you, it will short you, it'll leave you empty, you'll feel slighted, you'll feel like you'll see everyone else getting blessed, and you'll think God is playing favorites. But God is not playing favorites because God honors his word, and he will not, he restricts himself to his word. In other words, I can't give to you if give to you what I want to give you, but I can certainly give it to her because she's putting herself within the position to receive. I say to you, go out, run, and I'll throw you the ball. But you don't go out there. And the assignment is, is I'll throw you the ball. It doesn't mean I'm going to throw you the ball where you're standing. I gave you the assignment. This blessing is on the assignment. You run, and I throw the ball to you. She ran, and she stood still, and I said, you both go out. But see, the potential is there for, the, for both of them to receive. Because they're all following the plan of God. And the plan is to move the body of Christ further and further along. To keep scoring, to keep gaining ground, to keep producing. Sometimes when we're making movement, sometimes it doesn't look like things are happening. But because we abide in the plan of God, like doctor used to say, payday isn't every day, but payday does come. Payday doesn't come every day, but it comes. It comes to those who are pursuing the very plan of God. Amen. Say, I am. Making the conversion from spectator to disciple. It's so different. Now, if you haven't been a disciple, you know you can always change that position at any time. At any time, you can, you can, you can make the conversion over to disciple. But God wants disciples. God needs disciples. Remember the Uncle, the Uncle Sam commercial? We need you. God's army needs you to participate. God needs you to be a disciple. God needs your participation. Come on, to add some frustration to the plans of Satan. He needs you to frustrate Satan. He needs you to bring the supply to the local church. That's the last thing devil wants for you is to be committed to the things of God. Now, if you're always in distrust, well, what if someone takes advantage of me? Then you're, you'll never gain where you need to be. You'll never gain. You, you, your job in life is to learn how to trust people. Learn how to discern. I'm not going to say just trust anybody. But you're also, if you get a red check, uh, or uh, I always say a check in your spirit about somebody or something, follow that. Follow those inward witnesses. God has given you the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And you know, one of the things the Lord is, the more time you spend time reading your Bible, the more time you spend reading, is praying in the Spirit by yourself. The more your time you do songs and psalms and spiritual songs before the Lord, the, the greater the witness, the greater the voice, so that the Lord will say, ah, do this, but I don't really want you to participate in that. And sometimes not participating in that had nothing to do with the fact that it was bad or distrustful. It may be just that God is wanting you to learn to listen to his spirit and follow his plan. I said he's wanting you to listen to his spirit and follow his plan. He has a plan for your life. Satan has a plan. 
it's very important that we consistently be aware that there's two plans working in our lives. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How will you know that the truth has made you free? Because you abide in his word. Amen. It's not enough to know truth. There's a lot of truths out there. Not, there's a lot of facts that pose, pose themselves off the truth, but they're not truth. They're just facts. And facts are, are changeable. Truth is truth. But he says, if you abide in my words, that's truth. He says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Well, I'm glad they asked that question. Because this is the type of logic that, is, that we just said, that is twisted. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm free. True. But if you're not abiding in his word, you are not free. These guys said, hey, we're Abraham's seed. We are not, uh, we are not in bondage. We are the children of faith. We are not in bondage. This is what they're saying. We're no longer in bondage anymore. We're free. We're a free church. We're in grace now. Right? This is what, this is the way if you really think about the argument that is being uh, laid down here, you think, well, that's quite, that's, that's true. You know, we are a grace. And, and it, there's, see, that's how the devil likes to roll. He likes just to give you enough rope to hang yourself. Give you enough knowledge so that you can get yourself into trouble and so that you can excuse yourself as to why. See, this is what these guys are doing. They're excusing themselves. They're excusing themselves from the truth and doing the truth. And they're doing it with good reason. We are the sons of Abraham. We are the children of faith. And rightfully so, this is very true. But then he further, Jesus, knowing the truth, also was able to deliver and even go a step further as to why they are no longer being the children that they thought they were. Again, spectator or disciple. Very two distinct things. And they said, we have never been in bondage to him. How can you say we will be made free? And that's a very good question. Jesus answered and says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But I'm born again. But you sin. You don't live right. You don't follow God. You are not a disciple. You are a slave to sin. You fight every little thing I tell you to do. I tell my kid to get in the car. I don't want to get in the car right now. I said, get in the car. I don't want to get in the car. I said, get in the car. I said, I don't want to. I said, get dressed. I don't want to get dressed right now. You're fighting. It's a sin. It's, it's, it's a resistance. And if you always come with the, the mindset, I'm resisting. I don't, I'm going to, I don't want to do that uh, because it, this hurts. You know, the Bible talks about mortify, um, uh, putting down the, the mortify the deeds of the flesh. That means you're, there's a lot of things your flesh doesn't want to do. A soldier does not want to get up early in the morning. A soldier doesn't want to, 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 to follow the, 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 the directions of the, uh, the drill sergeant or the uh, colonel or the general. He doesn't want to do all these things. But see, there's an assignment, there's a plan, and with those plans and following those assignments, they become successful because they are flowing together as a group. There's a, like I said, remember earlier, there was a corporate blessing. There's a group blessing. There's a group blessing when those of us who have made the decision to follow the plan of God. There's a, there's a, bigger, a bigger impact when everybody decides to follow the plan of God. 
And Jesus said, I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, right? And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if a son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And verse 37 says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. In other words, you seek to do your own way. You seek to do your own thing. You seek, and he goes, my place is not in you. How many Christians have made a place for Jesus in them? To say, yes, I will do that today, Father. Yes, no, I won't do that. I won't participate in that anymore. So, verse 38, I, I speak what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have seen with your Father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But by now you seek to kill me or uproot me or not even do the things that I've said. I'm just adding that's the Marcus, Pastor Marcus paraphrased. A man who has told you the truth and he's not only told him the truth, he's shown him that he's the truth. He's showing them by example through healing. Through, through opening up uh, the eyes of blind and through being bold towards sin. Yeah. He's very bold at it. So there's no, there should be no argument at this point in, the, in their mind that this guy isn't right. His example is showing that he is very much the example of what God has sent. But they're, not, they're still refusing it. They're still fighting it. And yet there's a lot of folks out there who still refuse it and still fight it. And God does not want them to, to, to fight it anymore. Because it's really more a detriment to yourself than it is to God that you don't follow the plan of his plan. He says, but you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I have heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. And Abraham would never did this. God spoke to Abraham. What did Abraham do? Get away from your father's home. Go from your father's house. I'll show you a land of milk, of milk and honey. Get up and go. And guess what he did? He got up and went. Not knowing where he was going, but just following the plan of God. See, you don't have to know everything. Everybody, sometimes we don't go because we don't know everything. But if you don't go, you won't know. If you don't become a disciple, you will never know the, and experience the fullness of God's plan for your life. Because without commitment, there, there's, no, there is no, um, there's no fruit in non-commitment. If you're not bought in, you're not bought in. And you can lie to yourself thinking that you've bought in completely because you went. You went to the meeting. You bought the P90X series. Well, I bought in. You didn't buy in. It's obvious, Pastor, you didn't buy into P90X. Some people say, I, I bought some things I don't even. You bought, you bought the treadmill, but you weren't committed to the treadmill. Some people are looking around. Look straight ahead. Don't look at your team. <laughs> and now all that, what all that piece of equipment is doing is it's a great place to put your coat on now. It thinks you've got things set up on that. It's just now it's just taking up room. It's collecting a lot of dust. And yet God says, I, I want you to clear those things out. I want you to set your life in order. There's something about when you set your life in order and follow the plan of God that God is able to do things in your life. But it's only through discipleship. It's only through following the steps and learning to trust. 
Every believer, if, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to learn how to trust. This is the biggest assignment of any person who calls themselves a disciple. Can I learn to trust the church that I'm at? And if your pastor, as your pastor saying, trust the word I'm preaching, but don't take everything you hear hook, line, and sinker. Because your pastor is going to train you enough to where you can define what's right and what's wrong through the word of God. That's your assignment at this church to be able to distinguish what is right. and what, Now, I'm not just saying you argue every little thing in your mind. That's not what we're talking. That's not a disciple. That's someone who's, again, you know, trying to justify their lifestyle or do whatever they want to do. We're not talking. What we're talking about is, is maybe a subtle thing that maybe, oh, you know what we said earlier. Getting to the plan. Getting to the purpose that God has for your life. Amen. So he says, you guys seek to kill me. If God, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceed forth and came forth from God, nor have I come of myself, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You got to learn to become able to hear his words. I didn't say it. He said it. You are my father. He says, then he goes further. He says, you are your father of the devil because you desire of your father. You want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There is no truth in the devil. Like I said, it's always twisted logic. Always twisted. And it's, it's always if it's always there to make you look good and justified then you have to, re- have to recount in the way you maybe perhaps think of these things. Yeah. One thing I love about the word, it has a great way of making you feel very uncomfortable and yet at the same time, like, it's helping me. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a spanking. And it should. But see, if you feel like you're being spanked, then you're like, God, if you spank, the Bible says, the Lord's chastens those whom he loves. If you don't feel like you're being chastened, if you don't feel like you're being challenged, then you've got to ask yourself, am I even loved? But he loves you because the words that we share is not there to harm you. It's to, so that you can abide in truth and so that you can learn to uh, enjoy the walk that is set before you. Yeah. And with every walk, there should be a, an excitement about what's happening. Yeah. There shouldn't be excitement because there's a goal. I, I have people that help me. I have this friend that's helping me. I have a great friend and, and I have great, good. You, you'll become like the friends that you hang out. I have, a, I have a real close friend who's helping me, and he challenges me. He causes me, he says, Pastor Marcus, or he didn't say Pastor Marcus, hey, Marcus, da, 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 we're really good friends. And um, as a result of being good friends, he helps me in all these different areas. He's able to introduce me to people that I would never have met or never have known. But I would never have known these people had I not been put attached to the right people. And there's right people who God wants to attach, into you, attach next to you, but you can't get next to those people because you're not right yet. And they don't want to give you all the, their information with the wrong motive. Because wrong information with the wrong motive it will only be a downfall to you. It will only be your downfall. Because what you're doing is you're learning to milk the, milk the system and not really learning how to... And you think you're ahead, but you're really never ahead. Because you're shorting yourself. Yeah. 
You're, 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 when you try to think that way, what you're doing is you're, is you're doing things half-heartedly. It's sort of like going to a construction site where everybody did things uh, half-heartedly. If you think about what goes into building a house, what is the first thing that you think they start with? They, that's right. And what we're doing here is foundational. We're not thinking about putting a paint on right now. Well, if, I put, if you put the paint on now, that doesn't mean that you've taken care of the house. Because the, the paint alone won't add it. But it's the best paint in the, that you can buy. It's the most expensive paint you can buy. Does it, you can put the most expensive paint on a terrible house and it won't add any value to it. It'll add a superficial value and people won't know that this house is trash. But if the foundation is solid and it has a good truth base in it, it can flourish. Because everything after the foundation is, I'm telling you, like remember what the scripture says? It talks about the, that the storms of life came. Every, every, everybody, every believer's life here is going to face challenges. Every believer. Every believer is going to face challenges. Every believer is going to face storms, challenges, things that's going to happen in their life, right? But the foundation is the truth. And some people don't build their lives on the truth. They think they're building their life on the truth because they went to church. They got all the right things to build a house, but they added nothing to the value of the foundation will never bring fully the blessing of the Lord to their life because they're building a life that's not based on truth of God's word. They're not making Jesus their foundation. They have built their own foundation. Is their own reasoning. Your own foundation is your own reasoning, your own intellect, your own ways of doing things, the way you've twisted your logic, the way you've, you've already demonstrated how you want to do it your way and no other way. That's, that's, that's on sandy ground. And God has nothing to do with it. It's sort of like, you know what? You did that on you. You didn't do that on me. Now, I love you enough to say, let's build a foundation. Let's get your foundation right so that you no longer have to struggle. That's the Lord. So what are we doing this morning? We're becoming disciples. We're taking in truth and we're understanding the importance of these truths. Amen. Say, I am a disciple. Ephesians chapter 5. And part of, as a part of a believer, you know, walking in light of God's word is, is so important. And, and I love the instructions here and found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, be an imitator of God as dear children. I love the part dear children. When I was a little kid, I used to mimic the voices of cartoon characters on the TV. Loved it. I used to be do the, the Martian guy. And then there's other voices I, I used to learn, um, like Bullwinkle. I used to be able to do Bullwinkles. I haven't heard it in a while. But when I hear their voices, I, it resonates, and I'm able to uh, imitate. But see, I'm no longer an imitator of the voice. I don't listen to their voices anymore. Yeah. So I, it's, it's difficult for me to imitate those things. Yeah. Guys, missed. you hear the preaching in that? It's harder. The less I become familiar with those voices, it's harder for me to imitate those things. But now that I've learned the voice of God, it's easier for me to imitate those things. So, but as dear children, how many of you have dear children? I seen one of the boys do something for my mom here. So I was thinking, oh, dear child, dear child, God looks at you as dear children. He says, people who are precious as dear children, imitate God. 
be therefore imitators of God. But I'm just a Christian. How can I imitate God? Through doing what he tells you to do in his word. By becoming what God has called you to be. Imitate. Imitate the things of faith. Imitate. Be a doer of the word. Seeing seeing the good examples that are in the scripture and, and imitating those things. Hearing the good doctrine that was preached by Paul. Imitate those things. It wasn't just for them. It was for us. It says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Then he tells us what not, or to, what, what not imitating God looks like. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not even be named among you as in fitting for this. It's not fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. You know, I think it's interesting is nor, nor foolish. Boy, I, you're just see something because I like to, I, I, I love to laugh. But I got to be careful with my humor because that could be, that could take attention of my time. I love people that make me laugh. I just, I love to laugh. I love the company of my family. So I got to be careful that I don't enter into foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. I mean, teasing somebody, really teasing. Or it could be teasing, may may not be teasing somebody. I don't know. You hear, you hear what just pastor said he doesn't know. So I'm not I'm not making a stand one way or another. I'm not being dogmatic with it. But you have to ask with your ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is it that you're leading me in in this, right? And then you have to follow the conviction that the Holy Spirit shows you. But and he says, which but notice it says that these things which are not fitting, but rather giving. Uh, but rather giving thanks that you are to be thankful for, you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. There's a lot of things that you as a believer should be walking in as an inheritance, but you can't participate in these things that God has provided because you're doing your own way. You won't inherit the things that God has already provided for you on this earth because you're living your own way. It puts you out of position. You're not even on the game field. Okay, but I go to church isn't like we've heard me say going to church isn't enough. Then he says that this is what I find so compelling, because I think sometimes people who give us an out or people we, we, we draw our draw ourselves to because they give us an out, that's dangerous. Because he says here in verse six, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Well, you have grace, brother. Those are empty words. Did you hear what I said? Oh, that's empty. It's completely empty. Allowing you to live the way you want, that's empty words. Oh, don't worry. You know, God knows who we are. He knows you're human. Empty words. We're all human, brother. We're all going to miss it. Empty words. For, God, for, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Wow. I'm going to say something to you. The book of Ephesians is written to Christians. Living under grace. This is a grace message. And it's telling you that the wrath comes on the sons of disobedience. He loves you. But the wrath of this world, it's going to spank you if you do what you want to do. That's what he's saying. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you're in the light of the Lord. 
Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding what is acceptable, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Well, everything, you know, you just never know what the will of God is. You just never, empty words, empty arguments. He's telling you to find out what the will of the Lord is. In other words, if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, you pray, you ask, you, 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 you fast, you spend time with the Lord so that you can get your answer. Because it's there. Because your answer is there. It's there to dispel the works of the enemy, to, to, to keep you from tripping, to keep you from falling, and to keeping you living away from the, or far below the, the standard that God has set for you. Because you are quality. Remember we talked about last week about your birthright. Yeah. You have you are a quality person. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's you need to start treating yourself as a quality person. Right. I'm a quality person. I have I have qualities that, that God has given me and that I'm going to live up to those qualities. Right. Amen. Yeah. Finding out what is acceptable of uh, to the Lord and having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now I want to say something because this is very interesting. I was going to stop here at one point, but I felt like it was important to kind of go on. He says, for, if it, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. In other words, there's people, things that people do in the darkness that not even should be bare discussion within your own mouth. If you know they're not right, you know they're not living right. I'm not even talking about what they're not doing. I'm not even talking about it in front of my kids what they're, not, what they're doing is not right. Because I don't even want my kids to be like, huh? It's so important to keep your children in light and do the best. Because one day they're still going to have to make decisions that they need to make for themselves. And you've got to train them that through making the right decisions now, they will be a blessing. They've got to know it now. They've got, to, they've got to learn now that following the... the and it doesn't mean that the kids don't think what they want and do what they, they're going to do anyways. But the Bible says if you train up a child in the way he shall go, and in the end they won't depart. In other words, they, you, they'll have enough of your example that even if they do go out and live on their own and do what they want to do for a while, they will come back. They will come back. And you always pray, not that they're out of God's will, but you train them. Just going to church... And doing a few godly things isn't enough to train them. You've got to train them. That means you've got to be the example. You've got to tell them why they're doing what it is that they're doing. Why they have a schedule for their life. Why they need structure in their life. Why it is they, they need to do what God has called them to do. Because it will only add the blessing. And then you point out the blessings to them. Every time something God does something, point out what God has done. Sometimes we, when we walk into promises at the time of our life, it wasn't because God was delaying. It's because God wanted your children to see the blessing that God was going to bring in your life. So he goes, well, God never did until then. Why? Because so you could see that following the plan of God, not everything happens at once. But, but through following the plan of God, there's a blessing. See, then that's going to affect them. It's going to affect their testimony. They're going to remember when God came through. When God brought it up. And they're going to know it wasn't you and your ability. And have the grace and, and the, the couth to believe and to, to, and to tell your children, it was not me in the sense that I did it, but it was just me following the plan of God that made it available. Because that's what brings things to pass. That's what brings the finances. That's what brings opportunity. It's truly following. Because in all honesty, do you know what? Because people like honest people. 
you hear what I'm saying? So if you want to keep what you've got and keep moving forward, you have to learn to become honest with yourself and abide in him. Because in the end, that is building on the rock. Our lives have got to be built on the rock of the Lord. His word. His word. I cannot afford to be dishonest. It is very, is very expensive. Very expensive to me. It will cost me everything. It will, it, I, I do not want to lose my testimony of, to my kids. I do not want to lose, lose test, my testimony to other folks. Because it's important that I be honest. Verse 15 says, Then see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Remember, you can understand what the will of the Lord is. It's not a mystery. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father of the, the Father and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, submitting to one another in love. Amen. Romans 8. We're getting ready to close here, I promise. Because we're entering into sonship. We're, not, we're no longer going to be spectators. Romans 8, verse 12 says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not only to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will, be, you will die. But if the, by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You've heard us preach this. So if I'm going to live after God, I need to have the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, I need to have love on this tree. I need to have peace, joy. I need to make sure that I exemplify these things in my life. They have to be on my life, right? But what is death? What is it? What is death if the flesh brings death? Do you know when I got born again, the first thing that one goes, if I, if I become born again, I'm going to die. I don't know why I thought that. Talk about how devilish a twisted thought that is. You grow up, they go, if I, if I become a born-again Christian, I'm going to die. I really just going to feel like I'm going to die. You do. You die to your old way of doing things. But in the end, there's better life. Better, when you're fully committed and have become a disciple with an all-in attitude, that I'm going to walk out. I'm not going to just believe that the pixie dust meeting is going to help me. Your life changes. It truly does transform. And God will bring you into good fellowship. God will bring you to the place that you need to be. But you cannot enter it until you become a disciple. One of the ways we can become disciples is this. Is learn to honor the house of God. Learn to honor those who are in leadership. Learn to honor the house and the people around you. And see and watch and see and taste of what God can do for you and me. Amen.